And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, basketball sicko. If you're going to be in Houston for the national championship game, check out the No Dunks live show downstairs at the White Oak Tavern. That's right. The No Dunks podcast is doing a live show at the White Oak Tavern in the downstairs room. That's the good one I heard. We'll be joined by Rockets beat writer Kelly Eco. We're going to talk Rockets. We're going to pick our tournament winner. We may even crack an ice-cold, delicious neutral and hit the beach, figuratively, of course, to take your questions live and in person. Doors open 5 p.m. Central this Monday, April 3rd. Best part is the tickets are absolutely free. That's right, free tickets. And you can get those free tickets at theathletic.com slash nodunkslive. That's theathletic.com slash nodunkslive. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. That on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. Alex, we just got basically a week left of basketball, a week and change of basketball. Next Sunday, Easter Sunday, is the last day of the NBA season. Lots of games that actually could matter. Yeah. Next Sunday, which I'm actually I'm very excited for. Uh, but Al, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, it all started last Friday night with a matchup between the Sixers and the Warriors. Despite 46 points from Joel Embiid, including 13 straight in the fourth, the Warriors, led by Jordan Poole's 33, beat the Sixers 120-112. to The Warriors are now 31-8 at home, the third best home record in the NBA, and sit in the sixth seed, a game up on the Timberwolves and a game back of the Clippers. Now, for the Sixers, the news isn't all bad. Tim Bontemps released the third version of his MVP straw poll on Thursday, and for the first time this season, Joel Embiid had pulled ahead of Nikola Jokic. In terms of total points, Embiid led Jokic 790-788 to in the poll, suggesting that this could be one of the closest MVP races in MVP history. On Saturday, our Brooklyn Nets went down to Miami and got a crucial win in the East playoff race, beating the Heat 129-100. to The Heat led by four at half, but the Nets started the third quarter with a 31-6 run, effectively ending the game, led by Mikel Bridges' 27 points. The Nets moved back into the sixth seed with the win, but things would get even better for them because Miami dropped their next two at Toronto and at New York, Meaning that by the end of the week, Brooklyn had a game and a half lead on Miami with the tiebreaker. As it stands now, the most likely scenario is a first round matchup with Philly, who also happens to be their final matchup of the regular season on Easter. 
On Sunday, the Charlotte Hornets continued their reign of terror against Western Conference playoff hopefuls after beating the Mavericks in Dallas on Friday night. They followed that up with another win against Dallas in Charlotte on Sunday afternoon. The Hornets then had their version of a heat check two days later when they sat Gordon Hayward, Mark Williams, and Dennis Smith Jr. and still beat the Thunder in Oklahoma City behind P.J. Washington's 43 points. That is three straight wins for the Hornets, who also happen to have the third best defense since the All-Star break per cleaning the glass. Don't have to remind me. Don't have to remind me. Don't have to remind us. Uh, As for Dallas, uh, things aren't going great, Andrew. They are 4-9 in games where Luka and Kyrie play together. They are a game behind OKC for the 10th seed and don't have the tiebreaker. And as a fun bonus, Mark Cuban was photographed at a Mavs game wearing a shirt that read, Question Authority, a great slogan for a billionaire who has had a central role in the Mavs potentially missing the postseason in a league where two-thirds of the team make it despite having a top-five MVP candidate. Question Authority indeed. On Monday, (laughs) it would have been fun if I could talk about the MVP showdown between Jokic and Embiid, but unfortunately... Embiid sat out the game in Denver. Instead, let's talk about the team who arguably had the best game, the best week of any team, the Minnesota Timberwolves. After a thriller in Golden State on Sunday night, where the Warriors, as I would remind you, are 31 and 8, the Timberwolves turned around and beat the Kings in Sacramento the very next night, 119 to 115. It was the Wolves' fourth win in a row. And while they would lose their next game to Phoenix in KD's first game back, their recent stretch has moved them within a game of Golden State for the sixth seed. Though by the time you're listening to this, they could be as low as eight if they lose to the Lakers on Friday night. On Tuesday, the Washington Wizards, who I have not thought about in weeks, destroyed the Boston Celtics 130-111. to Washington was led by Kristaps Porzingis, who had 32-13 and in the win, and who, according to Shams, is now in talks with the Wizards over a long-term extension. The win against the Celtics was a blow to Wizards fans who were hoping this team could get a draft pick somewhere, anywhere, outside of the 9-15 to range where they have drafted for five straight seasons. If any fan base deserves a little luck in this upcoming lottery, it's got to be Wizards fans. And that is why, Andrew, I'm making an official good vibes slam and jam prediction the Washington Ooh. Wizards will jump into the top four of this wow. draft lottery. It's a big, it's a big news, uh, a big deal. You have the slam and jam blessing now, Wizards fans. There's no greater power, and I do not take that prediction lightly. Godspeed. Wow, I uh, disagree. I think they're picking ninth again. <laughs> yes, they're in eighth right now, so it would make sense if a team jumped them and they moved yeah. back to ninth. That would be <laughs> very Wizards. Uh, on Wednesday... Sacramento Kings clinched their first playoff appearance since 2006 with a 40-point win over Portland. It has been a dream season for Kings fans who now get to keep the party going as the likely three-seed in the playoffs. The win over Portland was their 46th of the season, and with six games to go, two of which are against Portland and San Antonio, 50 wins is still very much in play. The last time Sacramento played in a playoff game was May 5th, 2006, and like everyone else, I googled what happened on that day to get some context and found the worst fact I could. According to the May 5th, 2006 entry on takemeback.to, quote, if you liked video games, you were probably playing Bang Howdy or Brain Buster Puzzle Pack. Takemeback.to, what the hell are you talking about? What? Bang Howdy? (laughs) 
Brain Buster Puzzle Pack? You expect me to believe no. that if I liked video games in May 2006, I was playing a game called Brain Buster Puzzle Pack? Two months after the Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion came out? Are you serious, bro? <laughs> By the way, I looked it up. Bang Howdy and Brain Buster Puzzle Pack weren't even released yet in May 2006. Where do you get your gamer news? Take me back.to. <laughs> Finally, on Thursday night, the other highly anticipated matchup of the week also turned into a dud. Celtics Bucks, a battle between the two top teams in the East. The good news was that unlike Sixers Nuggets, both teams were almost completely healthy. The bad news was the game was over in about 15 minutes. The Celtics got a lead with a few minutes left in the first, and it just kept growing. The final score was 140 to 99. Yes, the Bucks were on the second night of a back-to-back. They were also at home and healthy. Who knows if any of these games matter, but the Bucks' next game is at home against the Sixers, which theoretically should also be a good game. Yeah. We'll see. The Celtics are two back of the Bucks with five games left and the tiebreaker. If you're a Celtics fan, if you're a Celtics fan, it's hard to not look back at that Wizards game earlier in the week, or the Jazz game, or the Rockets game, or the back-to-back overtime games against the Knicks <laughs> and the Cavs, and wonder what might have been. Oh well. Uh, what a what a week it was, Andrew. <laughs> what a week indeed, Al. So I'm just I was looking at the last 15 games and just looking at the records. There there's six teams right now that have a 10 and 5 record over the last 15 games. The Cavs, Grizzlies, Bucks, Thunder, Sixers, and Kings. So those six teams, they're they're, they're finishing strong, right? Like these teams are doing really, really well. And there's only a few games left, and I was just thinking, does it matter if you play well in the last 15 games of the season? Does it really matter? There's a lot of there's a lot of analysts out there that say, oh, they got to finish strong. You got to play really good down the stretch. But does it really matter? So I, I took a look at the last 11 years. I chose 11 just because 11 is probably my favorite number. So stuck with Great 11. Reason. Uh, <laughs> so six out of the last 11 years, the team with the best record down the stretch has at least made the finals. Really? Which I thought was really interesting. Oh, yes. Kind of so the 2022 Celtics were 11 and 4 down the stretch. The 2021 Bucks were 11 and 4. The 2017 Warriors were 14 and 1. The 2016 Warriors were 12 and 3. The 2014 Spurs were 11 and 4 and the 2013 Miami Heat were 13 and 2. So it actually kind of does mean something to finish at the top of the NBA in the last 15 games. That's a pretty decent track record. Now, the teams that were the worst in the last 15 games and still made the finals, the, and there's, there's a little trend here. I want to see if you can identify it. 2020 Lakers and Heat both went 8 and 7. It's the bubble year. It's kind of like whatever if you can throw that out. The 2018 Warriors went 7 and 8. The 2017 Cleveland Cavaliers went 6 and 9 down the stretch and still made the NBA finals. The 2016 Cavs went 9 and 6 and made the finals. The 2014 Heat went 7 and 8 and made the finals. Then the 2013 Spurs went 7 and 8 and then the 2012 Thunder were 8 and 7 down the stretch. Hmm. Uh, the trend is four out of those seven teams that still made the finals with a bad record down the stretch had who? LeBron. LeBron James. <laughs> Which is funny. I mean, we've done a lot of things like this 
on Slam and Jam just talking about teams making the finals and what does it look like and the exception to the rule is just consistently LeBron James. Like it just doesn't really matter what the defense is, what the offense is, how they finish down the stretch, whatever it is. If you have LeBron, things are going to go pretty well for you. Now, the this Lakers team, I'm not sure that we can count this LeBron in uh, the same category as these other teams. Hey, this, this might just, be one of the best finishes for a LeBron team uh, in, in history. I mean, they're doing, <laughs> they're doing pretty well right now. <laughs> it, it could be. He did have some teams that played well down the stretch, uh, that played a lot better than those teams did. Um, but I, I think... Just to conclude, I think it does matter how teams perform down the stretch. Okay, so then... Uh, especially so especially if you don't have LeBron. Reread the teams then that are, that are doing so well. That, so that the teams the that are that are currently 10 and 5, there's six teams that are 10 and 5 right now. And we'll have to, to see how they perform because I think everybody's got like four or five games left. Right, right, right. Um, but it's the Cavs, the Grizzlies, the Bucks, Thunder, 76ers, and Kings. Hmm. So well, history says, like more often than not, one of those teams will probably make the NBA Finals. So based on that, because I've been trying. Remember, people who have been listening for a while, I, I did the thing where I'm trying to narrow the championship contenders based on history. Yeah, and I'd gotten yeah, it yeah. down months ago. You whittled it down, yeah, to the Celtics and the Bucks. And I've yeah. been waiting for something to help me lean one way or the other, which honestly, the 140 to 99 oh game that I just <laughs> did watched. That help, did that one help you? I uh, don't know. That, that started to affect me. But this would suggest, and it kind of makes sense because the Bucks are in the one seed. They wouldn't have mm-hmm. to play both of Boston and Philly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is the thing that swings me towards picking the Bucks. Could push, push or, you over the edge there. Or, or picking the Thunder, apparently. We're picking Thunder <laughs> to, to make the finals. What's wild is that the that just thinking about the history of it. I mean, the this current Thunder team has a chance to finish better than the 2012 Thunder did, which is just seems asinine. But yeah, we'll, anyways, we'll, uh, finish strong, NBA teams, because it does matter. Unless you have LeBron. Unless you have LeBron. Uh, well, as you mentioned, we are we're two weeks away from the first playing game. And before our focus completely shifts to the playoffs, I wanted to give an update on this year's surprise teams. Now, if you are new to the pod, one of the things we like to do each season is try to predict which teams are going to surprise everyone, and we have very strict criteria. To qualify as a surprise team, your preseason over-under has to be below 36 wins, and you have to exceed that over-under by at least 10 wins. That is no easy task, and in the preseason when we're making our predictions, it feels almost impossible for every team at that yeah. time because these are teams coming into the year with generally low ex- lower expectations. There's usually a reason why those exp- expectations are low, but every year there is usually at least one of these teams by the end of the season. In the past 22 seasons, there's been 35 surprise teams, an average of 1.6 per year. Last year, of course, we all remember the Cavs. They added Evan Mobley in the draft. They signed Jared Allen yep. to the long-term deal. And they were rewarded with an over-under of 26 and a half, which sounds crazy in retrospect. It does but it made sense insane. at the time. It actually sounded <laughs> crazy when I picked them as my surprise team. They would go on uh-huh. to beat that over-under by 17 and a half games. We also yeah. had Minnesota, who was coming to, into the season with some expectations, but still had an over-under of 35 and a half, which they would beat by 10 and a half games, winning 46. And if you're wondering what the greatest ever surprise team was, the team that most exceeded 
their low expectations. It was the 2013-14 Phoenix Suns who managed to beat their over-under by 27 and a half games and yet still miss out on the playoffs by a game despite winning yeah. 48. And for you young listeners out there, that was back when the Western Conference was very, very good. Couldn't yep. get into the playoffs with 48 wins. Now this year, with a few games to spare, we already have three surprise teams locked in for the 2022-23 season with an outside shot to get four in these final weeks. So let's go over each of this year's surprise teams, talk about what we missed when thinking about these teams and if there are any lessons mm -hmm. we can take into next year. So let's yeah. start with the teams that didn't surprise uh, anyone. <laughs> okay, uh, Houston, San Antonio, and Detroit did not surprise Andrew, at least in a positive way. Of those three, Detroit is notable for being the most bet over in the preseason with an over-under of 29 and a half games, which they are currently 13 and a half games under. We have some games <laughs> I was left. Say, they have the worst record in the yes. league. Yeah. We have some games left, but being projected for under 30 wins and still missing by over 10 games is kind of hard to do. It's like an anti-surprise team. I was going to say, I, that is surprising. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe that, maybe that should be the disappointment team of the season. Yeah. To yeah. be fair, they are set up well for the upcoming draft lottery. Uh, I also wanted to mention Washington, uh, who did not surprise the season. In fact, I would actually give them the title of least surprising team of the season. This was the most Wizards a Wizards season could be. They are currently two games away from hitting the over. So, hey, win two more games, and they will <sighs> have hit that over. Now, one of my picks in the preseason, Orlando, still has a chance, but it's very unlikely. They would need to go 5-1 yeah. and one in their final six games, which includes two games against Cleveland and road games at Brooklyn and Miami, who are two teams fighting for playoff seating. It's still technically possible, but they're currently sitting at sixth in the reverse standings, which is a great position mm -hmm. for them. And in these final weeks, yeah. it's likely teams in that range will start heavily prioritizing their draft position. The lesson for me, though, with Orlando is that if you think there's a player on the team that is critical to that season's success and that player is out to start the season <laughs> with an injury, do not pick that team. Markel Fultz, a Stephen Adams All-Star, started the season on the sidelines, which contributed to a 5-16 and 16 start. In the games yeah. he played, they are 27-28, and 28, a win pace that would absolutely have crushed their over-under. Yeah. Oh, well, but I knew it. I knew what I was getting into. I didn't know he would be out that long, but whatever. That's uh, a gift for taking the magic, yeah. yeah. Next is Indiana, who is currently two wins away from qualifying as a surprise team, and they actually have a decent shot at it. With five games yeah. left, they have a home game on Friday night against OKC with mm -hmm. maybe SGA's out, and they still yeah, have a home game left up. against Detroit. Their other games are Cleveland, Knicks at home, and Knicks on the road. If they beat OKC on Friday night, we could be looking at four surprise teams, which would be a slam and jam celebration because we have yeah. never had four surprise teams before. And I actually think that would be a good marker for this season when we look back at it. One more example of how this season has been unique with respect to parity across the league. The lesson for me with Indiana is don't pay attention to quotes and rumors around media day. Because in the days leading up to our surprise team pod, Andrew, I was originally going with Indiana, but changed my pick because of two things. One, there was a report at that time that Indiana was willing to take on Russell Westbrook's contract. And yeah. two, Kevin Pritchard, the Pacers president, had a quote about how this season was not going to be about wins and losses. Completely threw me off the scent, and I pivoted. <laughs> and plus, we had Mark Schindler on that day. Yeah. And that was intimidating because I was like... <laughs> I know he doesn't think this team is going to win a lot of games. I don't want to just randomly throw out this take that I think Indiana is about to be good. I panicked, yeah. Andrew. I changed it. Ignore media day. 
you, Listen. you also buy, buy into the constant Miles Turner trade churning. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. looking back, you know, they had a great draft. They have a good coach. The all-star leap yeah. of Tyrese Halliburton, the fact they kept their vets, they were all major factors in the success. And I think like two or three of those were predictable. Moving on to our locked-in surprise teams of this season. First up, congrats to the Utah Jazz, who are currently 12 and a half games over their two, 23.5 over-under. Andrew, if I could do things again, if we could run a 1,000 simulations of me picking my surprise team this season, I don't think I would have ever picked the Jazz. Some of the things you would have had to predict in the preseason include an all-star leap for Lowry Markkinen, coach of the year worthy performance from first-year coach Will Hardy, the immediate translatability of Walker Kessler's game, and the ability of this team to tread water even after making the predictable trade-away vets trade at the deadline. Shout this out team THT. Is, this team is 7-9 and nine post-All-Star break after trading away three rotation players, despite Markinen missing six of those games. Even knowing what I know now, I'm still surprised. So credit to the Jazz. Are there any lessons yeah. from missing on the Jazz, Andrew? Because I, I learned nothing with the Jazz. I would never pick a team in that similar scenario again. There were too many yeah, jumps no. you would have to make. Yeah, no, I think the the motivations too with the franchise is to focus on the future. I mean, yeah, they exactly. just traded for all these draft picks. Trading away your two best Ooh. players. I mean, no one would have predicted that Markkanen would jump from like 14 points to 25 points per game. I think that would be a really silly prediction to make. And so, so to, to me, this is such an outlier. There have been so many things that had to happen for them to actually be good. Like Will Hardy has been a really good really good coach for them like brand new coach who had never been a head coach who just like i don't know it's like will hardy gonna be good i'm not sure uh th there were so many circumstances that have led to them being a decent team and it's know, funny I, like thought, I even thought i saw we saw him play okc i saw him play him twice and i thought okay they they really pulled the plug on that second game against yeah. them recently and i thought okay yeah they're they're toast and they've gone on to win some like pretty decent games too. So it's, they beat Boston. They're they're unpredictable. They're absolutely unpredictable. They are competitive. They're they're similar to OKC. They just haven't pulled the plug as much as OKC did the previous two years. Right. You know where they just have the uh, a coach that really gets his team motivated, and they just have a bunch of tryhards. So yeah, and it's it's funny to think back you mentioned like who could have predicted Lowry Markkinen like honestly the the player that people were focusing on is like oh he's probably gonna have a big breakout was Colin Sexton because it like made yeah. sense looking back at what he had done in Cleveland it's like maybe this guy scores you know over 25 points per game like he could have a huge breakout year ends up being Markkinen but yeah I'm I didn't learn anything uh next yeah. was our hey, joint uh, sh sh Shea is now listed as questionable. They just changed that designation to questionable for, for Indy. So watch, it. watch out, surprise team, Indiana. Uh, next was our joint pick, the Sacramento Kings, who are 11 and a half games clear of their preseason over-under of 34 and a half. This was a great pick by us, Andrew. Some of the factors that led me to this decision were, A, Mike Brown being a good coach, check, yeah, and helping them be a top 20 defense, uh, not check. Demonis Sabonis being the best Kings player of all the Kings drought teams. I would say check, though obviously the rise of Fox was a big factor as well. And yeah, C, no the fact they addressed their three-point shooting in the offseason, that ended up being very true. The Kings are one of only four teams, along with Golden State, Boston, and Dallas, who are top 10 in three-point attempts and three-point percentage. As a comparison, last season the Kings were 21st in three-point attempts and 24th in three-point percentage. 
Shout out to mm-hmm. Keegan Murray, who set the rookie record this week for most threes in a rookie yep. campaign. You really can't say enough about what this Kings team has done and what they've meant to that fan base. And perhaps the biggest surprise of their season was the fact that they cleared their over-under by 10-plus so easily. Like, there was really no doubt as we entered this final stretch that they were going to get there, and they could still surpass it by a few more wins. An all-time surprise team, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Finally, the team that as of now would be the most surprising team of the season based on how many wins they are clear of their over-under, the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder are currently 14 and a half games above their preseason over-under of 23 and a half. And they are right in the thick of a playing race, and so it's likely they add a couple more wins. If you are unaware, Andrew and I are Thunder fans. We do a Thunder podcast called Down to Dunk, and we completely missed this. We did not consider them for a second, did we, Andrew? No, no, absolutely not. We were were focused on the draft. We think and talk about this team for hours and hours every week. We know the team inside and out, and we didn't even make an attempt to pitch them as a surprise team. I do roughly six hours plus every week t- just talking about this team. <laughs> Didn't and even yet. hit our radar. We were just and like, nope, yet. cross them up. Let's talk about... Also, he, it, the Shea, we were going to talk about yeah. it. Go ahead and talk about it. Okay, let's talk about some of the factors we missed that I think we may we should have predicted. You're about to yeah. talk about Shea. I actually think SGA's rise this season was somewhat predictable because when he returned from an ankle injury toward the end of last season... He went on a tear. He put up 36-7 and seven on great efficiency. Now, it was only 13 yeah. games, but the blueprint was there. And two, yeah. we knew that OKC's defense was going to punch above their weight. They ended last season as the 17th-ranked defense, which was really impressive for a team that only won 24 games. This season, they are currently the 10th-ranked defense. Do you think there are any other factors that we should have factored in more that we, like you feel, looking back, we should have known? Are there any ones that you think we should have known? That we should have known. I, I feel like there's. I mean, I think Josh Giddy's improvement is something that goes like way under the radar and that people just don't talk about. And maybe we could uh, have projected. We could have. I mean, you could have projected it. Honestly, though, the the problem with all of these projections is that you would look like the biggest homer in That's the right. history right. of Oklahoma City Thunder fandom ever if you were like. Shea Gildas Alexander making first team All NBA. <laughs> Josh Giddy making a rise. You know, Jalen Williams, pick number 12. Well, you know what? By season's end, he should have been pick number two. You know, there's just so <laughs> many things within it that you would have just felt like you know, they just picked up Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe, one of the best three point shooters in the history of the Thunder. Like, <laughs> no, like you can't. All of those things are actually just kind of crazy whenever you put them all together. They are. You yeah. know, like, like Aaron Wiggins, functional NBA player. You know, you're not going to do that. You, you just, you can't come to the table with all of these things and say, you know what, I think all of this is going to work out. And that's kind of what it's taken for the Thunder to get here. I, I think, honestly, it's really two things. It's Shea's leap, which I know that we did see it last season, but there's so many funky things that happen at the end of every single NBA season True. that I'm just unwilling to buy anything that happens on a bad team from the end of February to the end of the season. Like all of that stuff, I'm just like, okay, cool. Like even like Trey Mann was awesome at the end of last season for the Thunder. And he's been not good this year for OKC. Like that's been probably the one thing yeah. that like hasn't gone their way this year. Um, but yeah, I would say it's it's Shea's leap and then I think just Jalen Williams being able to fill so many roles for them. Um as yeah. a 
facilitator as a he he's a probably overrated defender honestly the way that some people talk about him like i watch him every night and he's not quite what some people say about him he looks as a like defender. an amazing defender he like, looks like an amazing defender he's got a ways to go but we i talked about him two weeks ago and all that stuff still stands and he had that game winner the other night against detroit I mean, he's just, he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's averaging over, he's averaging the most points for any rookie in the month of March. And he's shooting like 57, 50, 87 are his shooting splits in the month of March. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And there, there's been a lot of people saying that he could make a late push for rookie of the year. I'm still not sure he's going to win it. But I think that he is doing literally everything he could possibly do to get those votes right now. Yeah, I, I posted a stat on Twitter that the list of rookies in NBA history who had over 60% true shooting on at least 10 attempts per game, there's only seven guys in M- NBA history. It's Magic Johnson, Adrian Dantley, Bill Cartwright, Buck Williams, DeAndre Ayton, Zion, and Jalen Williams this year, which is just yeah, a weird insane. group for him to be with. And it's kind of a weird a group weird, overall. <laughs> it is a um, weird group overall, but there's a lot of things that you plug into stat head that Jalen Williams pops up in. You're like, okay. Like I, it would be more shocking to me at this point that he's not going to be a star. Like if he didn't end up being a star, than if he's just like a perennial all star. I just think that he's kind of stamped himself as that kind of guy. Which when you take that guy at twelve, I mean, we talked. I mean, Chet being out for the season is a huge deal. That was like a huge reason to not believe in them. Right. That and heavily had, factored like, into our decision. Yeah, and you know, having a guy that is now. Easily, like if you were to redraft, he'd go in the top five for everybody, for some people in the top three. So, uh, and one thing else I'll mention is you mentioned Isaiah Joe, but this team going from finishing dead last in three-point percentage to now being yeah. right around league average, I think they're 17th as of today. That was yep. huge. And it's yes, huge I, made, I did make that my bold prediction, but even I didn't believe that. Uh, so that is this season's surprise teams. Uh, we'll see if Indiana can make it four and just really make this a magical year for surprise teams. Yeah. Um, but I, I already can't wait to go through next year's teams because I, 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 I don't know who it's going to be, Andrew. Like I, 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 I know. I'm tempted to pick Orlando again, but I know that their over under is going to be way higher than it was it's gonna this year. It's going to be a lot higher. They're, they're going to yeah. have them in like the mid thirties. So we'll Especially see. Especially when they get Wimbenyama. It's going to be way high when yes, they get Wimbenyama. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to talk to Mike Smeltz about the Brooklyn Nets. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. All right, Andrew, it is time once again for the Wheel of Fandom, our weekly segment where we spin a digital wheel, it lands on a team, and we become fans of that team for the next week. 
This past week, the Wheel of Fandom landed on the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the Nets went 2-1 this week, which included a pivotal win over the Heat in Miami. The Nets are currently a game and a half up on the Heat for the sixth spot with five of the remaining six games at home, and they have the tiebreaker. The Nets are 41-35, and 9-13 and in the 22 games since trading Kevin Durant. Since the trade, the Nets are 23rd in offense, 18th in defense, according to Cleaning the Glass. Andrew, if the Nets are our favorite team, who is our guest? Oh boy, I'm very excited about this one. Mike Smeltz, one of my favorite dudes, one of my favorite dudes that I get to work with here at The Athletic. It's the truth. He co-hosts a podcast that you should be listening to, not only Nets fans, but NBA fans, because it's a, honestly, I just smile, even whenever they're sad, I still smile. Uh, Glue Guys podcast <laughs> with Smeltz Thank you. and Thanks, his, his buddy Brian. Go listen to it. It's it's a great show. It is a very, very fun NBA podcast. Uh, he's also a podcast producer here at The Athletic. Mike. I'm so. an executive for, excuse me, executive uh, e- of the EP. EP. I'm an EP. EP. I'm, I'm one of 12 EPs. Um, first off. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Second off, sorry I'm not Mina Kimes. Yeah. We tried to get... Uh, so in, inside baseball here, Yeah, Mina is a big fan of the glue guys, which is yeah. like my... I have two children, but that's... I'm prouder of the fact that you she likes be. my podcast. Because <laughs> she's, be. she's amazing. <laughs> and I did ask Mina if she could do this show because I want her to be with you guys because she'd be yeah. hilarious with you two. But yeah. she is crunching tape. For the NFL draft, just uh, crunching that tape. So it's going to happen. You guys are going to get her. You're going to be thrilled, enchanted by her. She is such a, a genius in the space. But if you can't have Mina Kimes, everyone says Mike Smeltz is the next <laughs> Mina Kimes. Everyone, That's right. It's on the everyone tip of everyone's tongue. Um, so the, I'm glad his wife here. every day. I'm the next Mina Kimes. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, who the hell is Mina what Kimes? What are you talking about? <laughs> who uh, the hell? So, yeah. Smeltz, you've watched this new version of the Nets for 22 games. Uh, with all the new additions, how successful do you think that they've been in building their own identity? Uh, does this feel like a real team yet? No, it's it's not a it's not a real team. You know, uh, we had Spencer Dinwiddie uh, on the show to talk to him. Who he's an awesome guy, and yeah. like he was even saying, he literally said on the show about um, he was like, you know, yeah, we're working. Like I'm working hard as a point guard to build team cohesion. We are working hard. We have a bunch of realistic guys, which is funny to to mention that as a basketball player because there's a lot of unrealistic players in the NBA, and yeah. the Nets, in fact, do have. Like we've have a new saying, protect the vibes. Like this new version of the Nets is very much old version, like culture, good dudes. Like yeah. the only thing you hear about them is just like they showed up at a school and played basketball with kids, as opposed to uh, anti-vax stances and all the other things that could have happened. <laughs> but um, so it's like all good. Um, but it's not a real team. Like they, y- you know, they they have talent for sure, and Bridges, Mikhail Bridges, is just awesome. But um, you know, there's like Dinwiddie articulated it. Like there would be times when he throws a pass that he thinks Bridges or Cam is going to do something and they don't. And that's just a miscommunication, you know, and, and for the Nets fan base, there's a portion of them that are like frustrated 
the fact, you know, because we go from watching Kevin Durant to to what this team is, which is a, essentially a 500 team. It's just like, you know, this guy, these guys were thrown together. This is like the role players of Phoenix, Dallas, and the Nets forming into a team <laughs> mid-contention. So, yeah. you know, it's it's not a team, but it's, it is much more enjoyable than uh, like waiting on Kevin Durant to come back for injury or waiting on Kyrie to just completely destroy the situation. So you mentioned Bridges. When the trade was made, he was obviously the big centerpiece coming back to Brooklyn, scoring almost 27 points per game for the Nets on 50-40-90 shooting. How surprising has his run with the Nets been? And for you, you know, thinking back to the original trade, and then how sustainable do you think this is? So to reference a player that you have on the Thunder, I, I, I count you guys both as part of the Thunder sort of, you know, you guys and Presti and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, it's those it, three. It's That's what they usually say, yes. So the comparables to the role player going to a new team and becoming, not that Bridges is a star, but he's playing like a star. Let's just say that. Are SGA and Harden. And yeah. the difference between those two dudes and Bridges is like Bridges was just a pure wing defender, 3 and D guy who had very little ball handling, very little shot creation in the Phoenix offense. Where like SGA, when they were with Clippers, was still handling the ball a bunch. Harden, of course, handling the ball a ton with mm-hmm. the Thunder or being empowered in certain circumstances to be – I mean, most people knew he would translate as a ball handling scorer. No one knew that Harden would be like what he became. Um, yeah. Where Bridges has, has expanded his game rapidly going from 3 and D to primary scorer. And so that's incredibly exciting. Um, there's no one could have predicted it would have went this well. I don't even think Sean Marks could have thought that Bridges was going to be such a centerpiece. Because, like, if you think back to the summer when Katie first requested his trade, and as he said to Shams that he uh, suggested, or I guess Shams wrote that he suggested that they fire Nash and Marks, um, that it was like, you, the Nets fans, we all did like Jalen Brown, Scotty Barnes, and Bridges wasn't even in that conversation yeah. of like centerpieces. Bridges sure. was like, it was actually Aiton at the time was like the guy that we were like, ugh, is that going to be the centerpiece? Um, and Bridges has been awesome. I mean, he's like, it's hilarious that we get the the NBA's reigning Iron Man. You know, he Bridges has a consecutive games played streak going back like 360 games. And the Nets had were the all-time on-paper team, no production team. <laughs> right. Like the the Dinwiddie Bridges Cam Johnson trio has played more minutes than Harden, Kyrie, and KD ever did. Yeah, that blew my mind when I heard that. And so like Bridges is incredible. And it, it's very exciting for the possible construction of this team going forward. There's a sliding doors moment when it seemed like at the trade deadline the Nets were going to get four first round picks from Memphis for um, Bridges, and not knowing Bridges as well, I was like, "Damn, that would have been." I mean, that's nice, mm-hmm. um, and obviously there would have been per- picks, pick protections, and all that fun stuff. But now, like four first round picks, yeah, that's amazing. But now Bridges is the most important player on this team for the next three to four years. Yeah. Uh, and he's on a contract that he is like 25 a year for this year and the next three. So it's an yeah. incredible contract. 
that's going to give this team so much flexibility. I mean, it's, you know, again, I'm kind of like, I'm trying to <laughs> just like rationalize not having Kevin Durant on my team anymore. But, you know, Bridges, Bridges is making a little bit softer of a landing spot as opposed to, you know, it's like when you get divorced and, you know, you're already going to date, you know, someone, I guess you have someone else floating out there. I don't know. I was like, I was like, wait, what am I going to say? What comparable are we going to say that's going to get my wife not No, keep going furious. down there. No, I like this. Keep going. Yeah, get yeah. my wife furious at me. <laughs> see where you're going. I mean, I'm like, what could I, I was just watching Ted Lasso. Are you watching the newest season? I haven't watched the new season I haven't watched yet. It yet. No. I don't want to, I'm I kind of famous on my show for spoiling things because <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um, but he, Ted Lasso's wife is dating someone that she should not be dating. Uh, and okay. I was I was gonna make that joke, but I don't want to spoil the show for anyone, so yeah. I won't do that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, something else that's been good for the, for the Nets is Nick Claxton, uh, who's made a leap in year four. He's averaging career highs across the board. Uh, he's the only player in the NBA with 175 blocks and 175 dunks. What a fun stat to be a part of. <laughs> it, it, uh, everyone knows the 175-175 club. Yeah, they do. That was, a, that was actually going to be a trivia question, and I ended up not using it. I was like, I'm just going to throw this in. What would have been, yeah, what would have been the question? Well, I was hoping there would be someone else. I could be like, who else is in this club? But he's the only one. Yeah. So I was like, well, there's really nothing to ask about this. Yep. It's just him. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just, like a weird thing. It's like cool. Embiid, obviously... I'm sure he has 175 blocks. Maybe he doesn't because of games played, but like he doesn't really dunk the ball a ton because he's he's got a bunch of other stuff that he's doing offensively. Like yeah. a dunk is a product usually of being open and not having a defender around you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So throw that, what have been the biggest? What have been some of the biggest areas of development for him this year? Oh my God! Confidence, confidence. I mean, he's mm. been really. He, you know, like I don't know if you guys remember from Georgia, he was like the ball handling six eleven guy. Yeah, 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 I do. It was it was a, he was kind of a strange prospect. Yeah, it was totally bizarre. Um, and like he had he started last year at the beginning of the season, and he was bad, and his confidence tanked, or at least it seemed outwardly. This year he got he got a little bigger, got swolled up in the shoulders. Um, he is. Uh, there's like more to his game than the standard like no shots at Willie Cauley Stein always a favorite of mine but uh he's not just like a catch dunk dunk guy like he yeah. has some spin and a little hook shot spin and there's like moments when he's doing things at an advanced level and he wasn't doing that before as a net so like and of course defensively like if you look at every defensive metric he's like a startlingly efficient, uh, switchable defender, which, you know, if he could shoot free throws, he would He would be an amazing, like the free throw piece. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but they're pretty bad. What is it, like 45% or something even worse than that? Um, but like he's one of the few centers who could be in the end of games against lineups of death type lineups, which mm -hmm. honestly aren't that big of a deal anymore. Right now that we have so many big men uh, that are so good, but he's one of the few guys who can be a defender for both big and small lineups. Uh, he's not great against Embiid or Jokic, but it's also like no one is. So right. I don't really get that stressed out about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like pure, pure understanding of like 
I'm going to do the right thing offensively because I have the confidence that like the thing I'm doing is correct. As opposed to honestly, when he would catch the ball sometimes previous seasons, he just, there was like no confidence that the move he was going to make was going to be the right one. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, just to give you a little update, he's currently shooting 53% from the line. So. Oh, I take back everything I said. <laughs> a little he's, bit higher. <laughs> he's a modern-day J.J. Redick. Uh, let's shift our attention to the future, because in all likelihood, this team will not be making a deep playoff run. No offense. Uh, when you what? think about the players on the current roster, yep. in your opinion, who are the players on your list that should be part of the Nets' core moving forward. Who is on that list for you? Because we're going to be talking about trades. Who yep. are you keeping no matter what? So the biggest question is whether Cam Johnson, and how much is Cam Johnson a part of that? Because he's, I think it's a restricted free agent. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a guy that ends up getting paid $25 million a year. And Definitely. so it becomes like, you kind of just have to do it. It's like the business of the NBA to pay him that amount of money and you happily give him that amount of money and whether he gets better, you know, he's pretty good. Uh, and, and so, but he's not bridges, right? There's just like a, an understanding of that. You're going to pay him that contract. So you have bridges, you have Cam Johnson, you have Nick Claxton though. I will say if this team wants to get really crazy, I think Nick Claxton could be a very interesting trade piece that you get something significant for, because he's only making like 11 million next year. So you could trade, like, let's say, the, I mean, you could trade him to a true contender who need a center, whoever that would be. And it's a very easy trade to do, and then you could get a bunch of assets. Uh, but I love Nick. So I'm going to say, Nick, keep Nick, keep Bridges, keep Cam. <laughs> and then from there, they have to trade one of their wings. They have to either trade Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, Joe Harris is still on this team. All three guys are signed up for contracts next year. Dorian Finney-Smith has a contract for like another three years. So they have to trade one of them for for whether it's even like a, I don't know, even if it's like a second round pick and a young player or something, you just have to make a move. You have to clear out that space. The fun thing about the Nets is that like they're going to resign Cam, like we said, maybe $25 million, which will probably match Mikhail Bridges' salary. Bridges is playing like a guy who, if he was coming up in free agency right now, he would get a max contract. Yeah. Um, yeah. And But they yeah, have no him question. on a long-term cheap deal, right? So they have a roster construction where their best player is on a long-term non-max contract, and he's still young enough that, that he'll grow, and he's already shown growth. And <laughs> as much as I was, I should be burned by the star-hunting ways of our past – he the the Nets are gonna go star hunting either this offseason or next pretty soon, um, and that's also maybe even why you you sign Cam Johnson to what you do because he could be part of a trade for whoever down the road. Um, I didn't mention Ben Simmons; he will be part of this team too. Yeah, yeah. He, he's is there? Let me ask you guys this: Is there a more untradeable player? No, right now in the NBA. No, how much? How much even thought do you devote to Ben Simmons at this point as a Nets fan? None. Oh, well, we yeah. we actually just did a whole episode on him. Yeah, you but, did just do an entire episode. On but ben you know what I mean, though. Like <laughs> the last at this time team, we're going to talk about. I mean, you, him. you just. I mean, you're like barely mentioning him. You know, in uh, this like yeah. the core of this team or whatever, and it makes sense the way that he's played. But 
Um, it's just interesting how, his, I mean, his career has been so, so strange. I mean, for a player that made All-NBA not that long ago, for it to just crumble like this, it's just so strange. Well, and we're trying to rationalize something of my co-host Brian and I about what happened this year. And if he didn't have all the weird stuff that happened in Philly and then him going away from the game for a year, if you just look at purely the facts, which was this guy had back surgery, he comes back to play basketball. He had back surgery at the early beginning of the summer, comes back to play basketball, hadn't played basketball for a year, had knee issues as well, and now has another back issue that they're saying doesn't need surgery. It's an impingement um, that you could say, oh, this year just was like injury riddled and it's going to take him another year to fully rehab. Back surgery is no joke. But there's just the whole mental component that he's talked about openly Mm -hmm. uh, that makes it very tough to understand what his value will be going forward. And like we get a lot of questions about – are they going to trade him? And it's like, you just, there's no one, no team in the league, which the Nets would have traded him to San Antonio, name any bottom feeder team that just has salary cap space. All those teams would have done it if they wanted to. Um, the, the Nets have no ability to move Ben. So the only thing to do is to provide him some level of uh, rehab going forward. The thing mm-hmm. is, I as you mentioned, Andrew, I don't. He's not a priority anymore, even for the Nets. Like, I, yeah. like they're not treating him like as a special, sacred cow anymore. He is. Yeah. He's like, hey, we'll give you the best resources, but we're not going to change our whole franchise just to appease what may be best for you. You'll have to fit into what we got going on here. So the Nets are set up pretty well for a big trade with all their wings oh, yeah. and the Suns oh, picks yeah. and all they've got. So and Ben Simmons. Someone who has made the All-NBA team before. Uh, first, what do you think this team needs most? And second, are there any specific names that Nets fans are dreaming about? <laughs> I mean... Uh, Luka Doncic. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. It's but it, you know the whole the Nets. I've never known how to say his last name, but Igor, the former head coach of the Suns, who was Luka's coach of Slovenia when Luka was Kukashkov young, or something like that. Yeah, he's he's a Nets lead offensive assistant right mm-hmm. now. Um, it, Kyrie. Is blowing up Dallas as we speak. The Nets twenty, the Nets control of the Mavericks twenty nine twenty nine pick, you know, uh, and so it's it's Luca, but like everyone kind of just kind of joking about it. I mean, the Trey Young thing had happened for a second, uh, but it seems like them hiring Quinn Snyder will make it so that Trey's there for at least another year. Mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns is always a guy that's brought up because he's from Jersey, um, yeah. but it, but like my whole problem with Trey and. Cat, it's like they're incredible. All that stuff is, uh, you know, they're problem childs of different variations. And like mm-hmm. we've already done the problem child thing. Um, and so <laughs> actually, the Nets should look to the Knicks for guidance because the Knicks really wow, what a yeah, sentence! The Knicks really, they really have kept their powder dry yeah. and they're pretty good. 
and they got Jalen Brunson in on their team, and they still have the ability to trade. You know, if, if like the Knicks could bring in Cat, where the Nets couldn't. I don't think the Nets really should, but they, you know, so the guy that they need though is a Trey Young type. They need mm-hmm. an ultra dynamic ball handler, facilitator, because then you could just move Dinwiddie over to the two. Dinwiddie's an amazing combo guard to play next to a really good player, like like he was in Dallas. Bridges is a, is a really good actual number two scoring option, as he's shown right now. Then you would have Cam Johnson. You would have Nick Claxton. You know, you don't know what the trade would be. Maybe Claxton and Cam and picks are going out the door. But, um, you know, and then you have Brooklyn, which is uh, one of the five boroughs in New York City, a major metropolitan area. So it, there, there's a lot there. So they need... I mean, they need a scoring guard, like a like a real dynamic force. It's just I don't know who that is right now. If you know, unless if Damian Lillard suddenly like I want to go to Brooklyn, but like again, <laughs> like why would he? And you know, what team are you building? If like then, like again, like they have to really think smartly about this roster construction and not just star hunt the second that they can. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum. A long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, Mike, uh, thank you for answering all our questions about this fascinating team, the Brooklyn Nets. But it is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head against an NBA beat writer, or in this case, co-host of the Glue Guys, a Brooklyn Nets podcast, Mike Smeltz. Now, Mike, uh, you've played this game before, how it works. I've come up with eight trivia questions about the Nets or related to the Nets. You will pick a number between one and eight. It will correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal. We'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So, what would you like to start with, Mike? What number sounds good to you? 13. No. 13. Question number 13. Yeah. I came up with five backups. Question number two. Okay, this is a good one. How many players Uh on the current Nets roster had a 30-point game this season? You don't have to tell me the names. You just have to give me a number. On the current Nets roster. On the current Nets roster. How many players had a 30-point game okay. this season? So wow. Cam Johnson, Dinwiddie, Bridges, Cam Thomas, um, Seth Curry. How many is that? Is that five? Um, so, like, I'm weighing between whether it's, like, Nick Claxton. I'm trying to go through my mind if – Wait, is Andrew coming for the steal? Should I be saying these things out loud? Uh, he could be potentially, but I'm going to go with five. You're going to go with five. Um, that is correct for two points. Yes, nice. You know, Did I, I didn't. I didn't clarify that it was 
on the Nets. And so when you said Dinwiddie, I looked it up. He did score 30 for the Mavs. And so I have to count that. I have to honor yes. that. And so you get it yes. correct. Uh, okay, mm. Andrew, the board is yours. Number one. Question number one. There are only three players this season who lead their team in total three-pointers made, total assists, and total steals. One of them is Royce O'Neal. <laughs> who are the other two? Now, you get one point per correct answer. If you want a hint, you can get half credit, Andrew. Say the say the criteria again. So they lead their team in total three-pointers made, total assists, and total steals. Wow. Oh, I know one of them. There's only three guys. One of them is Royce O'Neal. Interesting. Okay. So you get one point per correct answer, unless you want a hint, okay. and then you can get half credit. No. Um, Ooh, let's Andrew's see. shaking his head no, not taking the hint. Don't you dare get a hint. The uh, coward's <laughs> way out. It's the coward's way out. Can't do that. Um, what about De'Aaron Fox? Andrew, that is incorrect, which means Mike has a chance to steal. Huh. Mike, you said you knew one. Well, now I'm doubting it, but Steph Curry... That is incorrect. Now, the hint was going to be both of these guys were all-stars this season. You both guessed all-stars. The two names are Paul George, which is kind of surprising because he's missed some time, and Drew Holiday, less surprising. Drew Holiday. Yeah, that's actually, well, it's still kind of surprising. Yeah, surprising. I mean, Royce O'Neal is surprising. Royce O'Neal really surprised. There's no one would have gotten Royce O'Neal if that was <laughs> if, if his no, name was on here no for the chance. Bucks or something. Yeah, no chance. Uh, okay, Mike, you're up two. You have control. Seven. Kevin. Question Durant. number seven. <laughs> Cam Thomas had multiple forty point games <laughs> this did. season, but is only averaging ten point five points per game. There is only one other player in the NBA who had a forty point game this season while averaging fewer points per game than Cam Thomas. Who is it? Huh. Okay. I'm just going to list some names that... Just throwing out names. <laughs> I know Austin Reeves has had a big game, but... Oh, okay. uh, what do you think of that one? Austin Reeves. Wait, I'm not... That's my answer. I'm just looking at your face. Oh, you're, go- you're judging my face. Yeah, I'm judging you're your face. At the, you're doing the face <laughs> test. So, Austin Reeves is on top of my mind. Okay, okay. Uh, someone on the Rockets, I'm sure, could could possibly be an answer is Austin Reeves scoring more than 10 points per game I'm gonna go Austin Reeves that is incorrect Andrew you have a chance to steal um and Austin Reeves is averaging 12.4 points per game did he have a 40 point game Uh, I believe he had like a 36 point game let's see he had 35 okay so I know Taylor Horton Tucker had a forty-point game this week, but I don't know what he's averaging this season. But I'll stick with that answer, THT, That's which happened guess. this week. Happened this Horton week. Tucker scored forty yes. points. He is averaging nine point nine points per game. That is absolutely correct, yes. Andrew, for one point. That's really good. You're back in it, and you have control of the board. Wow. Uh, three. Question number three. Question number three. Uh, Nick Claxton 
uh, currently has 179 blocks. Part of the 175, 175 club, <laughs> if you hadn't heard. <laughs> the fame. <laughs> Who was the last Nets player to have at least that many blocks in a single season? And you can get half credit if you want a hint. So the last Nets player to have a, at least 179 blocks in a full season. Oh, at least 179 blocks in a single season. Um, this seems obvious, but last week you made me think that obvious was still okay. Mm. Um, Brooke Lopez. That is incorrect, Andrew. All right. So, uh, Mike, you get a chance here. So the, can the hint, can the hint be, is, was it pre <laughs> Brooke Lopez or, or post Brooke Lopez? I mean, Jared Allen. Jared Allen is your guess. Yeah. That is also incorrect. What? Now, I'm double-checking because that does sound good. Um, It does sound good. The most he ever had with the Nets was 120 blocks. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the hint would have been uh, this guy is seven foot six. Anything? I'm, Uh, of course, referring to... Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley. I had to click through my seven foot five and over list in my head. That is wild. It's like minute ball. Kind of Drake puts into perspective Son. how many blocks Nick Claxton has. That you know, guys like Brook Lopez and Jared Allen. That I mean, blocks. he's part of the famed yeah. one seventy five, one seventy five club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, whose question was that? That was Andrew. So Mike. Wow, we suck, Andrew. Four. Question number four. <laughs> uh, the Brooklyn Nets roster has a lot of fun nicknames, but not oh, all are Basketball Reference official. Which of the following nicknames is not a nickname for a Nets player that appears on Basketball Reference? So I'm going to give you five nicknames. Four of them are real, appear on Basketball Reference. One is not real. Okay. They are Noodles, The Chosen One, Instant Hot, Big Meal, Beef Jerky Joe. Once again, that is Noodles, The Chosen One, Instant Hot, Big Meal, Beef Jerky Joe. I know Beef Jerky Joe's on there. Okay. I know Noodles feels like Mikhail Bridges, but I don't know for sure. Uh, Instant Hot, you said, was one? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I would call Cam Thomas, but that feels fishy because that assumes that someone in the basketball world actually knows what Instant Hot is. Hmm. I don't know if what they is do. It? I don't Cam know Thomas is from Virginia. Is. It's like a, it's like a heater, hand warmer product. Oh, okay. And Cam Thomas is from Virginia, then went to LSU. He actually was mm-hmm. born in Japan. Maybe that's where he got the instant hunt from. Okay. Um, what was the second one? Uh, chosen the chosen one? one. I mean, anyone could be called the chosen one. You know, mm, um, you don't have to be chosen to do so. You can that's just right. bestow it. Instant hot is my answer. Mike, that is absolutely correct. (laughs) Uh, Instant Hot was actually a nickname given to Cam Thomas by LaMarcus Aldridge, but Mm. it is not on Basketball Reference. The Chosen One. Yeah, who is the Chosen One? Yuta Watanabe. Yeah, makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Noodles is Bridges, as you point out. I can't remember who Big Meal is. (laughs) Noodles. Maybe Dayron. Big Meal. Big Meal. <laughs> God, that's a great nickname. Who is Big Meal? Uh, I'll have to look that up. Um, Andrew, you're down by three now. 
but we still have some questions left. I'm absolutely burying you, Andrew. You have no shot at this. (laughs) Number five. Question number five. Since the KD trade, there have only been three two-man lineups to play at least 500 (laughs) minutes together. When comparing their net ratings, one lineup is a plus 0.4, one is a minus 1.2, and one is a minus 6.6. Who are the two nets in that lineup, Andrew? One point per correct answer. Hmm. So it's a two-man lineup. They played at least 500 minutes together since the KD trade, and they're That's a, a minus 6.6 net rating. Mikael Bridges? Andrew, that is correct for one point. Okay. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie? Andrew, that is incorrect. Mike, you have a chance uh. to steal for one point. Okay. So it's either Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson, or Nick Claxton. Interesting. Okay. And so, so you've got it down to a fifty-fifty shot in your mind. I'm going to go Nick Claxton. Well, both of those were incorrect. It was actually Dorian (laughs) Finney-Smith. That makes that makes a ton of sense because he has been instant cold since he's come to Brooklyn. <laughs> New nickname. Put it on basketball reference. Uh, okay, Mike, two questions left. You got a commanding I really, lead. Yeah, I can't, I can't blow the six. Six. Question number six. Here we go. In the history of bad NBA teams, one team that I often feel gets forgotten is the 2009-2010 New Jersey Nets. That team oh, yes, went 12 does. and 70 that season, tied for the fifth most losses in NBA history. We're going to try to name as many players from that team as we can. Oh, How this works, Mike will give me a name, then Andrew will give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So, Mike, I need a name from the 2009-2010 New Jersey Nets. Brooke Lopez. That is correct. Had him in fantasy Andrew, that year. There's no way you're going to know this. You're not going to know a single other net. Who, Andrew? Are you serious? 10. This is like the height of our fantasy basketball playing where we knew <laughs> every single true. player on every roster. This is true. Um, nine ten. I think Devin Harris is on that team. That is correct. Back to Mike. Shit. Um, Mike, you got so cocky there, and now there's a yeah, chance I mean, that's Andrew the good could pick. beat you. That's the good pick. Um, let me ask this: If I get someone wrong, do I still get a chance? Like when Andrew gets someone right, do you know what I mean? Like, or do if I get it wrong, am I eliminated from this? Yeah, you're out. You would be eliminated. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is just for the sickos, and I don't care if it's wrong. I'll be honest. All these names are for sickos. <laughs> Sundiata Gaines. <laughs> oh, Sundiata Gaines. Uh, remember him from the Jazz game on TNT, hit the game yeah. winner. Unfortunately, he did not play on the 2009-2010 <laughs> New Jersey Nets. I just wanted to throw up. Uh, Andrew, okay. can you think of any others? I mean, there's some think, classic names on here. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think Yi Jianlian was on this team. Hell yeah, he was. You know who else was uh, on this team? CDR, Chris Douglas yeah, Roberts. You can't, yeah, yeah, what are you? Yeah. What's happening? Well, the, the, it's, it's over. The question's over now. I'm just, yeah, it's I'm over. just letting everyone it's know. Yeah. Uh, Rafer Alston, Tony mm-hmm. Batie, Josh Boone, Keon Dooling, Trenton Hassel, Jarvis Hayes, oh, Chris Josh Humphreys, Boone. Courtney Lee. Eduardo Nahara? 
Boomer Sooner. Wow. Nahara. Chris Quinn, Bobby Simmons, did, Sean did Williams, Robert and Terrence Williams. Nahara go to Oklahoma? Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. He was a star. Uh, okay, final question. How and were those it, Sooners teams, by the way? Amazing. They were good. The, yeah. yeah. That was the Kelvin Sampson days. Uh, okay, here we go. So being paid. Final question. Andrew is down by one. So whoever gets this question correct will win the week. The question is, how many three-pointers has Ben Simmons made in his career? Now, Andrew, you get to choose who answers first. You can make Mike answer, and then you can go higher or lower, or you can answer first. So made threes. Made three-pointers in Ben Simmons' career. Okay. Gosh. I know it's very low. I actually was looking at this not that long ago because I was doing a comparison with him and Josh Giddy. Um, <laughs> okay. Does Giddy not? Of, huh? Giddy doesn't take them. Oh, he does. He takes threes. I just was. His name just kept popping up when I was doing comparables on Stathead, just because I'm a sicko. Um, and so I, I know this is very low. I know he had seasons where he didn't make any. Mm, um, interesting. He did not make any uh, this year, if that helps you. Mike, why are you giving that away? <laughs> Unless he's messing with you. Do you know this, Mike? Do you know the actual number? No, I don't. No. I don't. I'm going to say six. Andrew is saying that Ben Simmons has made six three-pointers in his career. Mike, would you like to go higher or lower? So, statistically, I should go higher, but I'm going to go fewer. So Mike is going to go under six career made three-pointers for Ben Simmons. He has made, in his career, five three-pointers, yes! which means Mike Woo-hoo! wins the week. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Andrew, I was so going to guess three. If you'd... <laughs> so he would have gone over and you would have won. So... Uh. How five sad is, is that? so few. Five is so, so few threes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, go listen to the Blue Guys. Go listen to uh, any podcast that is uh, narrative-based at The Athletic. <laughs> Specifically one called Luck. That's about Andrew Luck. It's a, it's a great one. Uh, we have m- yeah. more. More more of these are, are being produced and What's coming out this currently. summer that... Uh, oh, it's going to be great. Talks about a future p- net. Very yeah, I'm very pumped, very very pumped for that. Uh, please go do all of that, Mike. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. All right, Andrew, that was next week, which brings us to I think is going to be our last Wheel of Fandom week of the season because we will then transition wow. into the playoffs. Playoffs. So you know, over the course That's of right. the season, we've ended up with 11 teams that didn't get their name called, and we'll have to. Mm-hmm. We'll continue this, obviously, at some point, and these will be the first names we choose from. Uh, but in terms for this season, this is their last shot. And we still have Charlotte, Detroit, and San Antonio. We've got some doozies. Of these 11 yep. teams. There's a lot of good ones. I mean, honestly, OKC ones. would be great. Dallas would be great. Uh, Sacramento, Philly, Kings, Philly, Cleveland, Miami, Cleveland. Knicks. Any yeah. of those would be great. But let's see yeah. what we get. I'm afraid. The final I'm Wheel of so Fandom afraid. team this season will be... Oh, no. Oh, okay. Okay. The Miami Heat. Ooh, Miami we, Heat. we have 
that's two teams in a row that are just like straight down the middle. They're like not nothing great. Yes. But you know what? It'd be good to learn a little bit about the Heat. Absolutely. Before the playoffs. So totally okay with that. Oh boy, I was sweating. Honestly, I could. I don't know that I could do a Spurs week <laughs> or, or a Hornets week. I just don't know that I could do it. Uh, please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the show. This one comes from. It's a lot of letters and number combinations. I usually read that out, but this is just a lot. But they say five stars. I don't enjoy the Celtics, but I love Jay King's visit on the Saturday Slam and Jam. So funny. Great hoops show. Thank you so much for that review. This one comes from Ben Fisher 22. He says, Goated. The Saturday Slam and Jam is easily one of my favorite NBA podcasts, and I listen to many. I look forward to it every week. The trivia is so fun. You guys have amazing chemistry. The vibes are always great. And I love the weekend recap. Y'all should bring the bring the homie you got. Wait, you all should bring the homie you got when for the Wizards week every week. <laughs> so jo- shout out Josh Robbins. Uh, that dude is so funny and charming. He's the real reason I wrote this review. I just had to let it be known that one of the best Slam Jam episodes ever he was responsible for. I'm thinking about. Becoming a Wizards fan just so I can listen to his his beat. <laughs> no, pods. don't do it. You can just listen to the pod. You don't have to become yeah, a Wizards you, fan. Yeah, you don't. You don't have to do that. Keep up the good work, fellas. Also, the Boston Celtics will win the twenty three NBA championship with Tatum Brown averaging seventy a game and the Time Lord with a cool 12, 10, 5, and five blocks. Of course, you heard it here first. Cheers! Thank you so much for that review. This next one comes from Australia. It says, good day, another good day from Sydney, Australia. Easily the best hoops podcast out there in a sea of mediocrity and hot takes in the basketball podcasting universe. Saturday Slam and Jam is the perfect mix of hoops analysis and entertainment. The weekly rundown of the league action is easily the most substantial and succinct analysis of its kind. The Wheel of Fandom and the trivia keeps things lighthearted and gives every fan base the in the league a chance to be relevant keep up the great work thank you so much that's from mac 1291 thank you for that mac and our last one comes from wizards trash talker he says saturday slam and jam alex does it again and can someone call out jay king five stars (laughs) if people didn't already know let me tell you alex does his own research his top three MVP historical research on this week's Slam and Jam was a perfect segment, an audio essay. I've always been fond of Al's research segments, but this one was outstanding. I know you wanted to prove that this year's MVP race is a historically great one, and it only came up 13th. But your openness on agenda and honesty, and it was really funny. Conclusion made for a segment with data at heart. Uh, top shelf stuff and somebody needs to call out Jay King he can't be on here stalling for minutes on Andrew versus the beat I know you guys are pals and it was fun to listen to him struggle but a more shrewd guest should be gaming you to buy some time Andrew still smoked him but still Jay King could have been playing you guys not saying you need a timer just saying it was notable keep him coming you guys are the best five stars thank you so much for that review 
uh, you can leave us a review and we'll read it on the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy your weekend and the basketball, and we will talk to you guys again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.